0: Welcome to the Codifier podcast. Codifier is a podcast about breaking down emerging trends and technologies into bite-sized chunks for everyone, from software developers to sales gurus to even your grandparents, so that they can stay clued in and techno-savvy in today's ever-changing world. Hello, hello, and welcome to Codifier Episode 9. I'm your host, Steve Jagger, and I was a late adopter. Waiting till about 2007 before getting into Facebook? Back in the 2000s, I remember my brother calling Facebook a platform for narcissists. Well, just over 10 years later, 2.3 billion narcissists later, he and I are both active participants. Now, I don't think he was wrong, to a degree. I think Facebook, to take a positive spin, provides an outlet for many people like myself, to express themselves without directly expressing themselves. Kind of like wearing a Nike t-shirt. Do I like sports, or do I like to look like I like liking sports? Hard to know, and you'd need a larger piece of the profile to figure it out, but the point remains, I've made a statement without really having to say anything. Facebook allows people to share, like, emoji, to provide indicators of their feelings without the risk of direct criticism to their direct messaging. In fact, don't we find it kind of annoying when somebody actually breaches the unwritten rules and posts something blatantly opinionated? I mean, come on, people. Allude to your feelings, damn it! Don't provide direct feelings. We're not capable of coping with feelings. So anyway, why the analysis? There is a point, and that point is that what has happened over the past few weeks with Facebook and their handling, brackets, mishandling, of your data. So this show is all about social media privacy. That sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Let's call it social media versus privacy. Yeah, that's better. I mean it feels it feels like a contradiction at the moment because of the current Cambridge Analytica Fiasco and the recent completely American congressional hearings with Mark Zuckerberg. In these you can see a raft of generally out of touch old bastards asking the Facebook boss man Really smart things like whether he'd be happy telling them what hotel he stayed in last night. In a rather obscure attempt to impress upon the world that the information Facebook gathers and its rules of dissemination somehow equated to that. Most of the hearing has been almost a grand scale of a bunch of parents scolding a child for letting a technology they don't understand get out of hand. And, well, let's be fair, that isn't actually too far from the truth. I feel for Zuckerberg, probably for the first time ever. It's weird. I don't like it. But I understand that a company like Facebook, which is growing at an unprecedented rate and fending off all manner of cybersecurity attacks, it's difficult. It must be humbling and humiliating to find out it was your own API, your application programming interface for the uninitiated, Your own API that allowed another company claiming to be doing research to hoover excessive data straight out of your systems. It wasn't a traditional data breach. You gave them the data. Oops, that would be the understatement of the year. So let me start by summarizing with extreme brevity, I hope, what the breach of the data actually was, how it happened, and what Facebook appeared to be doing about it. So getting back to the scandal itself and the company who we really should be blaming, Cambridge Analytica, They're a bunch of assholes. I hope I can say that. The breach itself was a product of a researcher, I'm putting that in quotes, using an app called My Digital Life to coerce Facebook users into a quiz about themselves. And to do that, the Facebook user had to allow permission to their account voluntarily. This is like inviting the vampire in for a quick bite. I wrote a blog article back in 2015 when I saw a similar app which created a tag cloud of your most used words that at least four or five of my friends did. It was the same premise where you needed to give a third-party company complete access to your account. Why would people do it? It's not just a case of not fully comprehending what you're doing, but it's a case of not understanding the privacy that you're, you're giving up. Social media is progressing fast. And just as much as my smart friends made that mistake, Facebook, led by some of the smartest technical minds, also neglected to think thoroughly about how their own platform could be abused. Now, the guy who came clean, the pink-haired Canadian Christopher Wiley, he's this pretty smart guy, who, albeit a little late, has some moral fiber. What he did, regardless of how it was used, was special. He essentially worked out... A bit of sexy, we'll call it AI slash data processing to derive some interesting trends in behavior from what is seemingly unrelated actions. He tapped into what I was saying Facebook is good at. Allowing, letting introverted narcissists to provide indicators, like wearing the Nike t-shirt, to convey your real opinions without you directly having to convey them. An example he gave was that people who trended down the I hate Israel path on Facebook also tended to like Nike shoes and Kit Kats. I think he made that one up. I hope he did. I also like Nikes and Kit Kats. What is fascinating, however, from an academic perspective, is that his idea in combination with some nifty big data processing is what apparently shifted the tide in several key occasions like allegedly the Trump election and potentially Brexit, among others. Now you might be thinking, how? What does one thing have to do with the other? Well, Facebook allows you to target paid advertising, but what it doesn't provide you is the reverse of the above. You can't easily target people who hate Brand X. You can target people who like Nike. Deriving your real opinions from your indicators, your likes and shares, was brilliant. Again, it's worth stating for the benefit of Nike and KitKats that this is a made-up relationship. The more of those relationships you can draw where targetable data can be associated with behavior and opinion, the more you can start to make inroads into people's normally private Facebook bubble in ways not previously possible. Get it? Powerful stuff, especially when you can use it for the wrong agenda. So, I've heard a little bit of Facebook backlash, but has anybody stopped using Facebook? Not that I've seen so far. While the stock of the tech behemoth has taken a hit, dropping nearly 10%, it's already bouncing back, I think largely due to Mark Z's frank responses and essentially genuine presence in response to all of this media fervor and all of the congressional questioning. So, what can we do? Can I or you limit what Facebook and, we haven't even mentioned, Google yet, know about me? Well, yes, actually. It's a great big yes. You just need to know how. Now, backing up a little bit, the first thing you can do, and this probably sounds so simple you wish you'd thought of it, just don't leave yourself logged into Facebook and Google as you surf around the web. You ever notice that Facebook and Google are happy just to trust your computer and leave you logged in for a surprising duration without any further authentication? It's the same on your phone as it is on your laptop. So convenient. Well, there is a reason it does that, and it's a bit win-win. You don't have the hassle of logging in, uh, and any page with a Facebook widget or Google presence, analytics is a good example, gets to track your digital whereabouts, both in terms of your internet activity and, via your phone, the location from which you're searching. Now, if you're curious about what Google actually knows about you, you can find out. Yeah, you can. There was a really good article in Wired Magazine about digital identity and how to find out what Google knows. And I'll put a link to that in the blog, which you can click to via the show notes. The show notes, by the way, are in your podcast app. Alternatively, you can just go to the blog article, which is codifier.com slash culture slash social media dash versus dash data dash privacy dash GDPR. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode nine about data privacy primarily. And I think this one is probably one of the ones that is the most applicable to the most people. Everybody cares about data privacy and just about everybody uses a computer or a device of some kind. So this is a good one for you to share. Yeah, why not? Why not grab the link, share it in your Facebook, share it in your LinkedIn. Hey, definitely share it in your Facebook because that data is going everywhere. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, tweet about it. Just let people know. Let people down at the gym know. Let people on your sports team know and your Zumba. And uh, why not share it with your family? Because I think it's, a, it's pretty important stuff. Uh, in the second half, I'm going to be getting into the new general data protection regulation that's been going to be coming into effect soon in the European Union, but affecting the entire world. And it's interesting stuff. It's going to affect all of us and all of the different social media platforms and companies, for that matter, that we deal with. Okay, this is Episode 9, Data Privacy, Social Media, General Data Protection. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about what your digital whereabouts actually are. This can be the URL you're looking at. This can be the email associated with the account you're using and, and many other default details. But let me break it down to you. This this is straight from Google's own data privacy section. So data that Google collects. Things that you search for, your name, your email address and password, of course, date of birth, gender, telephone number, country, and in addition to things that seem obvious, websites you visit, videos you watch, ads you click on, your location, device information, IP address, cookie data, emails you send and receive on Gmail, contacts that you add, anything in your calendar, photos and videos that you might upload, documents, sheets, or slides, or anything you might put on Google Drive. That's just Google. Now, I find the your location an interesting one because we're probably always wondering, how does everything know where we are? Naturally, we're all now carrying, or most of us, a homing beacon by owning a smartphone. Ever get creeped out by how Google knows exactly where you are when you're on your laptop though? And your laptop doesn't have GPS or anything that might locate it? What Google does is it tracks the router or router that you're on via its BSSID and you're probably thinking, what's that? That's kind of a tech address that gets broadcast. Kind of like the named address that you find when you're looking for Wi-Fi with your phone. Kind of like that, but more tech. And what it does is it remembers that and associates your location with it. And how does it know the location? Well, all it takes is one mobile phone to use it. And bang, it knows it can associate the location of that phone with the location of the way that phone is getting onto the Internet. And now it knows if anything goes to that same router, it's in the similar location, and that's how it knows where your laptop is. Now, I've also heard that part of the Google mapping, the car that goes down the road... It's just kind of scanning, looking for any publicly available wi fis and saying, "Okay, well, that Wi-Fi is here, that Wi-Fi is there. And that helps it triangulate the different sources of online activity as well, such that it can create a pretty accurate map. Amazing, isn't it? That's just, just a little piece of the kind of data that Google has mapped about the world but i'm getting a little off topic perhaps what does the future hold for our data privacy i mean facebook right now is getting its wrists slapped for something they obviously screwed up a few years ago but the reality of the matter is facebook closed that api that kind of plundered their data a long time ago Uh, a long time ago 2014 they closed it Uh, and since then have been clamping down on many other aspects of their application interface So much so that they temporarily recently even broke Tinder. Yes, oh no, it was a quiet night in Tinder town. People learned to read books, started hobbies, called their families, and other unheard of activities. Until, of course, Tinder was fixed and they were back online getting back to their banging. But why are Facebook and many other technology companies tightening down their data privacy sphincter? Well, we have the EU to thank. Yes, the EU—you know that oppressive regime that, like technology itself, has been holding Britain back for decades. Well, uh, sorry, sarcasm alarm. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't help it sometimes when I start getting into the EU. Anyway, yes, the European Union is implementing a new regulation called GDPR, or the General Data Protection Regulation. I could. Do a whole long podcast about it. I'm going to do a, a, the best I can here. But what I might recommend is I put a link to a really clever video that sums it up in about three minutes comparing you leaving your kids with a school. It's very good. The link is in the show notes uh, or via the Codifier blog link, which is also in the show notes. So previously, we in the UK were covered by something called the Data Protection Act, which was established way back in 1995 before some of you may have been born and in terms of the internet was pretty much the big bang. The fact that it actually identified email as a form of personal data back then I thought was pretty forward thinking for 95. Now, over 20 years later, data has changed, essentially to that epic list I mentioned earlier that Google was harvesting about you, plus anything else which could be considered personal like medical records like what your health app tracks on your phone or eating habits and weight loss preferences that my fitness pal recently vomited all over the internet to what your smart fridge is saying you need to pick up on your way home for dinner it's a pretty comprehensive list and that is a good thing of course the idea of regulation never tends to go down well no one ever gets excited about new regulations in fact William Wallace did not say that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our regulations. No, he didn't say that. The word regulation implies a removal of freedom, but in this case, it works in our favor. The freedoms which are being clamped down on are those of the businesses which are collecting and processing our data. The basic summary of GDPR is privacy by default. That pretty much says it. It means anyone asking for data needs to be clear about how it's being used. It needs to assume you do not want your data used for anything else by third parties or anyone unless you've explicitly expressed it. And it gives you the right to say no more. You could have your digital existence deleted on request. None of that stuff existed before. If you think about it, That means a shed load of changes for just about every company you've ever signed up for, given any data to, even it's as simple as an email to get free Wi-Fi access at the airport. It's a revolutionary change that effectively, and better late than never, attempts to put a stop to companies who realized cleverly quite a long time ago that data equals money. Think about Facebook and Twitter and WhatsApp and why they even have value. There was a phrase I used on the Data Breaches podcast, which was, If you've been given something for free, then you're the product. In the past, speaking certainly for myself at least, we've become so acclimatized to offering data and frankly just assuming it'll be sold off somehow and there was nothing we could do about it. I mean, an example of this was a few years back when we got broadband through BT. They gave me a btinternet.com email address, which I never used. And of course, about six months in, I went to actually check the account because I need to make some changes, and there was spam in the account. I mean, how? The only people who knew about that email address was myself and BT. So clearly, they gave me the email address and immediately sold it on as part of some marketing deal and no doubt as part of some complex terms terms and conditions I'd said was okay. Well, no more. As part of GDPR, privacy has to be there by default and permission cannot be buried or hidden in complicated terms and conditions. That should be good news to everyone. So what are the companies like Facebook's and the Googles doing? Well, what they are actually doing is quite good. Many are adding services to allow you to control your data. In the not-too-distant past, Facebook added the ability for you to download all your data. In case you're curious, it's very easy to find, facebook.com slash settings. Just go to the top right corner of your Facebook, click settings. Down at the bottom, you'll see a not very well integrated link that says download a copy of your Facebook data. It's worth a go just to see what's in there. Additionally, it's now quite easy to do things like turning off application access to Facebook. Now, what's interesting is that between writing the data breach episode that we had um, a few months ago, and recording this one, Facebook has already changed the way it treats applications and that they expire if they haven't been interacted with in a certain amount of time. That's really cool. I mean, I realize it sounds great. It doesn't really stop an application that's active, that's sucking your data out regularly, as that will be an active application. But nevertheless, Facebook are cracking down and that looks good. They have to. Did I mention that what happens if they don't? Let me return to GDPR for a moment. Now, even though GDPR is really only applicable to EU citizens, of which technically I'm not one, even though I've been in in the UK for 19 years, it does apply to any company who offers services to and collects data from EU citizens. Facebook, for example, is clearly one of these. So even if you're not an EU citizen or even in the EU, but you share an application with EU citizens, you will benefit. Good news for all. Also, many countries are seeing the GDPR as a template for their own new national privacy regulations. Because it's so widely binding, it kind of makes sense just for them to say, yeah, what that says. Now, what happens if companies which control and process your data screw up and release it into the wild either by accidental design, a little bit like Facebook, or hacking? Sometimes these can be the same thing. The fines from the EU are two to four percent of annual global revenue or ten to twenty thousand euros whichever is more that's a real number even to really big companies so it's no surprise they are all scrambling to have this ready and in place for may 25th yeah that's right put a big x in your calendar may 25th is when this all comes into play so let's get back to how you can retain your own privacy what can you do to be a bit better i've seen some articles and how-tos claiming you should delete cookies in your browser settings, or block them altogether. And I don't think that's necessary, really. Cookies can be a really positive thing. They can contribute to the user experience on a certain website, and when used correctly, can be very useful. However, cookies can also attribute to tracking you, because some of the embedded ads that are on pages leave cookies, which are intending to form a profile of you, and serve up ads based on your browsing trends. You would be better served, and I say this hesitantly, to install Adblock, which or similar, which is a browser plugin to stop ads appearing. Now, I realize I'm recommending a browser plugin, which can be dangerous, uh, and if you listen to my browser security episode, you'll see why. But Adblock is pretty legit, so I'm taking the risk, and I'm suggesting it. Ironically, I was looking for a list of options other than Adblock, and I found a website called Tom's Guide, which was just cluttered with dodgy ads, and it was recommending ad-blocking software. So I tried a few of them, and sure enough, yeah, it was, it was an easier site to use, but it was weird. It was weird. Uh, so I would recommend Adblock anyway. I'd fi- I think if you try it once, you'll find the world a much more pleasurable place to browse with far less ads and far less ad-based tracking. So what we haven't touched on at all in this is messengers. So like WhatsApp versus Facebook Messenger and their aspects of privacy. So quickly, WhatsApp is better. Everything you say on WhatsApp is sent encrypted. And even Facebook, who own both of them, cannot read it or use it for advertising. Messenger is not encrypted. Strange, isn't it? Now you can encrypt a conversation on Facebook. There's a way if you start a chat before you write anything, you can go in the top settings and you can make it a secret conversation and then you're all good, it's a bit like WhatsApp. The problem is it doesn't do that by default. So if you're going to have a conversation about anything sensitive or anything where you just like to retain privacy, it's actually better to do it using the app called WhatsApp. Um, If you're going to chat over Messenger about, I don't know, Perennial fungal problems, expect that ads based on those fungal problems may start appearing in your Facebook. Now, all that said, what I'd really recommend is clicking on the show notes. Um, Things you can do are too numerous to mention, but I have collected a lot of links that can help you manage your data across many of the different social media platforms from LinkedIn, Facebook, Amazon. Amazon's not a social media platform, but it does serve up a lot of ads, you'll probably notice. And of course, Facebook. So click on the show notes, go look at the blog, zoom all the way down to the bottom, and read through some of those articles, and, and you can you can stop Google, Facebook, all of these things from taking complete control of your data. Believe it or not, you can even delete your history and start fresh. Now, if you're not happy with with going link by link, there actually is even an application called Deceit Me. And it is designed to tap into the many different social media platforms and completely wipe out your digital identity so that you can start fresh. Well, that's it for Codifier Episode 9. I've been your host, Steve Jaguer. If you've got any further ideas for shows, why not email codifier at gmail.com. Send us a tweet. Our Twitter handle is Codifier. And, of course, on Facebook, the entire world now knows facebook.com slash codifier. We'll see you in a few weeks.